Well, good morning, Cross Point. I mean, are you guys here today? Good morning, Cross Point. Ah, there you go. Okay, I'm glad you're alive, awake, and enthusiastic today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, so I hope you've got your Bibles with you. Turn with me there as we dig into the Word of God to discover how we're called to live out this discipleship, this kingdom mentality as we lean into the story of Jesus Christ and glean from Him how we're to give Him glory in our life, but also get along with those around us. You know, we're finishing out today the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount prayer, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Uh, we'll be there in just a moment. The text will be on the screen as well as we finish out the series today. And I want to invite you back uh, next month, uh, which is next Sunday, by the way. Um, and we're going to be digging through all month long First Peter. And so if you want to get a head start, you could read through First Peter. Uh, it's only five chapters and uh, kind of get ahead of the game there. It's going to be a great time to be together. So I want to invite you back. And whether you're here in this room, and we've got a great crowd today. I know that has a lot to do with baby blessing. But look around the room just for a moment. Take a minute. Go ahead and do that. And uh, kind of yell across the way, hey, I'm glad you're here today. Go ahead and do that. Excellent. Participating. For those that are online, man, we can't wait for you to get back up here either. I know that there are lots of, uh, of you who have some contingencies that keep you away, but we want you to know that whether you're here or joining us online, God loves you. And He wants the very best for you. And as we think about the story of Jesus Christ, we're reminded that He's promised to give us life and life into the full. And so you and I, every single day, we live out that kingdom mentality, knowing that God has something very special for each and every one of us. And I know this year, although last year was difficult and we've moved into this year with some new promises on the horizon, I know you can't wait like me to see what the Holy Spirit is going to do in your life and help you shine brighter than ever for His glory, His cause, and His kingdom. You know, as we dig into this uh, last part of our series, we're reminded that prayer is an absolute essential part of a Christian journey. You and I have to be in communication to our Heavenly Father every single day. And that very idea, Heavenly Father, is so beautiful because it reminds us we have an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father, the Creator of the universe, that we can walk right into His throne room as His sons and daughters because of what Christ did for us on the cross. And because of that, we know that He walks with us. He knows you by name. He knows your story. He's journeying with you even right now. And we've learned along the way that our God is a holy God, and yet we still have that intimate relationship with Him, that we ask for His will to be done in our life. We leave our will behind. It's more of you, God, less of me. That's how we, we're called to live, that we want His kingdom to come, not ours. And last week, we talked about our daily needs and how God supplies that for us every single day. And there's a difference between wants and needs, but God makes sure that we're taking care of every single day. Today, Jesus is going to meddle in our life just a little bit. He's going to get a little bit personal with us because we're going to be talking about forgiveness. The forgiveness we need in our own life and the forgiveness we need to extend to other people who may have done us wrong along the way. I'm remembering all the way back uh, to the first church that Robin and I worked at in Ponca City, Oklahoma. We were a young couple and we had uh, two new babies. And so we began journeying with other couples there at the congregation that uh, had uh, similar births going on in their household. And to this day, we're still very good friends with many of those couples. 
But I remember there was a, one particular uh, fella in the congregation who wanted a pretty tight relationship with me. And we went out to lunch together. We went to the movies together, just kind of talked about life together. Uh, and then eventually I kind of noticed he started pulling away just a little bit. And it took an entire year for this to unfold. But finally, one, one Sunday, he just kind of erupted like a volcano. And it was because he thought Robin was controlling our social calendar and keeping us away from one another. He wanted to be tight with me, and he thought Robin was making sure that didn't happen. And so he just exploded all over Robin. A lot of tears that Sunday morning and a lot of distress. But it's a reminder that you and I, as people of God, as kingdom people, we're not called to live like that. We're called to offer forgiveness. We're called to journey together, to talk to one another along the way, to help each other out, to lift each other up in the moment. And so as we read through the prayer that Jesus offers for us to lean into, that we're reminded of how we're called to live, especially toward the very end of the prayer, which we'll unpack today. Let's read that prayer together. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Jesus reminds us that being a kingdom person means we're very different than the world around us, that we, we read a different script than the world offers us. And so he moves from talking about our daily bread, our physical need, to talking about forgiveness of sin, our spiritual need. And no matter who you might have a beef with in life, and each and every one of us have different stories, different ways those are playing out in our life, but church, I want us to remember that our battle is not with the boss our battle is not with the coworker who gets on our last nerve sitting in the next cubicle. Our battle is not with the next door neighbor while we're disputing the fence line. Our battle is not with our spouse or our kids. Church, our battle is with sin itself. And each and every one of us need Jesus Christ. There is no one exempt from needing the salvation that only Jesus Christ can offer. I'm just sorry, you're not good enough on your own to get into heaven. I know that there are some folks you think maybe in your life who believe that. But the truth is, church, we need Jesus. We need his blood to cleanse us. We need his grace to cover us. And we need us to look into his life so he can reveal to us how we're called to live each and every day. And so in the prayer, he reminds us that we need to ask forgiveness for our wrongdoing while at the same time extending forgiveness to those people who have done us wrong. And so as we impact this part of the prayer today, we're going to discover two realities that are absolutely true in our life as kingdom people. And the first one is this, that sin separates us from God. Sin is the thing that comes in between our relationship with a holy, almighty God. And our sin needs to be forgiven. Sin simply means that we've fallen short of the mark that Jesus has called us to live out in our own life. That we um, are, are just not quite hitting the kind of life that God wants us to live out each and every day. And there are sins of commission, which means there are things that we know not to do, and yet we are involved in doing those things. There are also sins of omission, 
which means there are things that we know we should be doing, and we don't do those either. You and I have sin in our life that we need to come to terms with. Now, some translations say trespass instead of sin, but I like the word sin because it's direct. It's to the point. You understand what it's talking about because, quite frankly, you and I could wander onto some property and be trespassing without realizing that we're actually there. But no matter how you slice it, our sin leaves us in debt to an almighty God. And you and I have the answer to the debt that we have, what we need to be doing. And so we pray to God to take away our sin, to forgive us of our sin, to take away the guilt, to make us clean yet once again by nailing our sin to the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, the beautiful thing at the very end of Jesus' life, he's hanging on the cross and his last words are, it is finished in the Greek, teleos. It's the same kind of language that one might use in the marketplace. So I owe somebody some money, I take the bill into them, I give them what I owe, and that person stamps on my receipt paid in full. That's what Jesus says from the cross for the sins you and I have in our life. It is finished. It's paid in full. Your guilt, your sin has been removed as far as the east is from the west. And church, that's a moment to celebrate. It's a moment to recognize we have an incredible Savior who's done over and above for us what we need to have a deep relationship with our incredible God. But all through Scripture, Jesus consistently teaches that when we sin, we owe God something. Now, forgiveness means to wipe the slate clean, to to pardon, to cancel the debt that is owed. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus offers a clean slate to anybody who will say yes to his kingship, to his lordship, to his kingdom. Jesus will offer freedom from the guilt of sin. He'll cover you. Once you're baptized into his name, you rise up out of that water, a brand new creation. Your sins are washed away and your guilt is gone because you have said yes to the kingdom of God and no to your own kingdom. Surprisingly, there are people in this room and joining us online who've never said yes to Jesus. For the life of me, I don't know why. Jesus offers the best life that you could ever dream up. It's in him that we're finding hope and faith and light and true love. It's in him that we truly find ourselves when we surrender to Jesus. But like most human beings, and especially Americans, we're incredibly independent. We think we can do it on our own. And so when you look at what Isaiah the prophet writes in Isaiah chapter 53, he says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, that's Jesus, the sins of us all. Each and every one of us, church, need Jesus. It's in him that we'll ever find true salvation, true love. Because when we sin, we're saying yes to my kingdom and no to his kingdom. We're saying yes to what I want in my life and, and not worried about what God wants in my life. I'm saying yes to my will and my way rather than God's will and his way. But Jesus encourages us all through the gospel accounts to let go of our kingdom and to embrace God's kingdom. And when we recognize we have sin in our life, it's a call to confession. Now, 
I've given a lot of confessional prayers in, in my own life too, and it's pretty easy to be vague and general. Lord, I've strayed from your way. Please help me get back. Lord, I've made some mistakes along the way. I haven't done what I should be doing. I've done this, that, and the other. It's pretty easy to be vague. But when you name it, it makes it real. To say, God, here is my problem. I want to put a name on it. I, I struggle with anger. I'm always upset at everybody, and I don't want to be that person. God, I have a lustful heart. Help divert my eyes away to things that I need to be viewing and looking at. God, I struggle with work too much. I am not home with my kids and my spouse like I know you want that family to look like. I struggle with addiction in my life, and maybe that's evident by how much time I spend on my social media and on my phone. God, I, I look down on other people. I struggle with pride. I think I'm a little bit better than other. When you put words that are true to what you're struggling with, it creates an opportunity for you to acknowledge the sin that's going on in your life. And that is the first part of moving toward the forgiveness moment, is when you acknowledge you've got stuff in your life that only God can take care of. When we ask God for that forgiveness, then we repent which means that we'd make a decision that we're going to turn 180 degrees. We're going to move in a totally different direction than we were going in the first place. And then we confess that sin to God. I mean, the truth is, church, God already knows what you're struggling with in life. So you're not really hiding anything from him. Vocalizing what you're working through, though, helps you in the transformation process. He wants to make you more like his son, Jesus Christ, every single day. The Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 1, he says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And so the call in remind, reminder this morning is that sin is what separates us from God. And so we need God's forgiveness in our life. Each and every one of us need Jesus in our life and his forgiveness. But it doesn't end there. We also recognize that sin separates us from others. And so we need to forgive them as well. Jesus says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And I'm not saying it's an easy job every single time. But nonetheless, as kingdom people, that's how we're called to live. If you want to be in relational harmony with an incredible God, then we need to add forgiveness to those who've done us wrong along the way. A great 19th century preacher by the name of Charles Spurgeon puts it like this, go to Calvary to learn how you may be forgiven and linger there to learn how to forgive. So we go to Jesus in order to gain our own forgiveness, but we look at the life of Jesus to discover how we forgive those who have done us wrong. Imagine just for a moment, the men who are actually killing you, beat you up, disgraced you, put you on a cross, raised it above for everyone to view. And in that moment, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. If there was ever an example of what to live like and how to look like, it's in that moment. The prayer continues to tell us also that we'll only be forgiven to the same extent that we forgive those around us. 
I mean, forgiveness is the act of setting someone free. It's the act of setting someone free. I mean, we all want forgiveness for our poor choices in life, right? If you agree with that, go ahead and shake your head up and down. We all want forgiveness for the poor choices we've made in our own life. But it's interesting that we're very particular about who we hand out forgiveness to in our life. We set qualifiers. Well, if they truly repent, then, you know, I I would offer forgiveness. If, If they were to ask me for it, of course I would offer forgiveness. If, if enough time expanse goes by, then I might be able to forgive them. If they make good what they took from me, then I might offer forgiveness. But as kingdom people, Jesus clarifies for each and every one of us that offering forgiveness is what kingdom people do. We're radically different than the world around us. A world who says, if someone comes at you with a club, then you bring a sledgehammer. If they offer one word of derogatory comment towards you, then you give them two. You hit them bigger than they ever hit you in the first place. That's the world script. But Jesus says, I I run an upside down kingdom. It's different than anything that you've ever seen in your life. And after challenging us to forgive people who have wronged us, Jesus deepens the challenge even more. Take a look at verses 14 and 15, Matthew chapter 6. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. That's great news. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. It's a sobering warning from Jesus that if we don't forgive, God will not forgive us. That is a hard pill to swallow, to think that it's contingent on how we live with those around us. And our ability to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us along the way is is an example, is a a signpost for the world to, to let them know how much Jesus' love has truly penetrated our own heart, our own soul. And for those of us who can't forgive, it makes us wonder if you've really come in touch with the incredible love that Jesus truly offers. Now, I want you to hear me this morning. I'm not making light of the horrific things that you may have experienced in your own life, some difficult moments that might be hard to overlook. There has sin occurred in some of your lives, I know, that has drastically changed your family forever. It's made life difficult for you. And you're working through that, discovering how do I move out of this position that I find myself in? Maybe for you it was that drunk driver that took someone away that you loved very much, but the driver walked away. How how do you forgive in that moment? Maybe it was that clergy person who who did not act like Jesus towards you. Maybe they didn't offer sympathy or enough love. They didn't offer a listening ear. Maybe it was the hurtful words that your parents spoke to you as you were growing up. And you remember back on those growing up days when you needed the affirmation, but it seemed to be harsh instead. Maybe it was was the slurs concerning your ethnicity that have made it difficult to forgive. But know this, church, that forgiving, forgiving is a process. Nobody ever goes to bed one night and wakes up the next morning and everything is a okay. It is a process that each and every one of us work through, and some things take a longer time to work through than others. 
What I'm saying, though, if you're a kingdom person, would you be willing to start the process one step at a time, one day at a time? Who will you begin to free today? Who will you release today? Who will you let out of the prison that you've created for them today? And here's the beauty of forgiveness for people that have done you wrong. When you set them free, you set yourself free as well. We realize the whole time that we held the key to our own jail cell. And when we let people go, we also let ourselves go as well. But that's generally not the first thought when it comes to forgiveness. It's really, many times, revenge. Paul addresses that in one of my favorite chapters in all the New Testament, Romans chapter 12, where we're called to this transformational living, to look more and more like Jesus, to let him sink into our heart, let his kingdom rule our life. And then Paul gives some very practical things for us to live out as we uh, follow Jesus and live that kingdom life together. Look what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 17. He says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but you conquer evil by doing good. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, church? I'm not saying it's easy to do. But if we're really kingdom people, if we're wanting to look more like Jesus Christ, then that's how we're called to live. Kingdom people show a willingness to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt them along the way. And when we don't forgive church, it creates a ripple effect in our life. Well, the first idea is that it disgraces our Heavenly Father, who we say we're following your Son, but in many ways we don't look like Him when we choose not to forgive. It discourages the church that we're on journey with. They see us and they're not encouraged by our actions, but discouraged. It disgusts the the lost world that are looking at us as we call them in to follow Jesus. But as they compare our lives, there's not a lot of difference in the forgiveness category. And ultimately, it makes Satan very happy. Forgiveness is one of those difficult things to get your head wrapped around. But as kingdom people, we're called not only to ask for forgiveness from our Heavenly Father, but to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us along the way. Look back at verse 13 in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. The original word there could mean testing or temptation. And the prayer acknowledges, first of all, that we have a living God that we serve. God is real. Do you believe that? God is real. But it also reminds us, the prayer does, that there is a force against God at work as well. And we as people of God need to recognize that evil exists in this world. Now, when it comes to temptation and testing, I want to remind us all, there is no sin in the temptation and the testing. 
Sin occurs when we concede to that temptation and we begin acting in non-kingdom behavior. When we fall for whatever Satan tempts us with and we follow that in our own life, that's when when sin occurs in our life. Jesus goes on to say, deliver us and rescue us from the evil one. And so every day we pray for rescue, we pray for relief from the temptation that comes into our life. When it comes to forgiveness, we pray for release to let things go. I'm going to be a little confessional here this morning. Back in 1987, um, my girlfriend at the time, another guy at the high school, we were kind of vying for her affection. And we were an item until we weren't. And then he was with her. And I kind of held that in. I was angry about that. I did not wish him well at all. I didn't care if I ever saw him again. I cared nothing about him. I did not want anything good to happen to him. Kind of cursed his name. And as time went on, that kind of waned. And I thought it was over with. Then last year, I went to a wedding. Last year. Over 30 years later. He's at the wedding. First time I've seen him in over 30 years. And all that began to well up again inside of me. Really began to eat at me again. I was wondering, how could we be in the same space? After the wedding was over, he turned and he made a beeline right for me. And I thought... Cobra Kai, okay. <laughs> Danya son, Johnny. I'm ready. But he approached me, and his first words were, Dim, I'm so sorry. You see, I didn't have Jesus back then. And I ask your forgiveness for what happened so many years ago. And church, I felt about this big. Because the truth is, Jesus changes people. And Jesus will rock your world. He will turn you around to be something totally different than you ever thought you could experience on your own. It's in those moments that we're reminded the kind of life that we're called to live in Christ Jesus, to be people who are full of compassion, to be kingdom people who are following a risen Savior, to have kingdom hearts. And so maybe today God is poking you to release somebody, to forgive somebody, to let them go and to let that go. And in the process, release yourself as well. Depending on your translation of the Bible at the very end of this prayer, It might say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And it made perfect sense to those first century Christians. Because as we recognize that God has healed all of our brokenness, the fact that he has forgiven our deepest and darkest sin, the fact that God has has already conquered Satan and he awaits us in his heavenly realm, There's nothing else to do, church, but worship God. He's done so much for us. And so as we think about this prayer and all the contextures that are involved in it, we think about how we're called to live in his kingdom. It's a call for more of him and less of me. To say no to my will and yes to his will. 
to say, God, show me through your son, Jesus Christ, how I'm called to live. I want to be just like him. And so as we close out our time this morning and we're very into the prayer, I want us to stand together and say this prayer together, which will be followed by a moment of praise. So let's go ahead and stand and let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Text will be on the screen for all of you. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.